The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Guys, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Chris Thurton. Uh, I am recently employed here at the Inn. That's that's me. Um, you don't have to follow me on Snapchat. It's not. You don't have to. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, I uh, was born and raised in Toronto, and uh, so automatically comparisons have come my whole well since uh, Drake became big. People all the time. Me and Drake. Um, but one thing you might not know. While we did not know each other, and we weren't cousins or anything like that, we did have a very similar look about us. Mini fro, awkward glasses. Yeah, you know, me and Drake. Comparisons stop right there. That's about as far as it goes. We are nothing alike. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Toronto. Toronto was great. It was an awesome place to grow up. My parents were amazing. Uh, my dad, shout out to him, Winston, mom, Lois. My dad's a pastor, mom's a teacher. And uh, they did an awesome job of, of really letting me kind of come into my own in my faith. And uh, they didn't force anything on me, but they kind of let me grow up, which uh, we'll learn about a little bit as I talk some more. Um, you'll hear about some of my shortcomings. Um, I only lived in Toronto for 13 years, only I guess that's more than half my life, but for 13 years, and when I was 13, I moved to uh, Salem, Oregon. Uh, hey, Salem, what's up? What's up, what's up, Daniel? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit of a culture shock, Toronto, 6 million people, Salem, 200,000, um, just a little different, uh, but that's all right. You know, God works in, in, in mysterious ways, and now it's turned out to be a very good move in my life. Uh, Salem, four years through high school, uh, graduated, enrolled, and went to the Seattle Pacific University. Go Falcons! Let's go! It's Falcon awesome! It's, oh, it's great. It's so good. Um, uh, <laughs> some might say it's the lovely, and uh, that's a combination of delightful and lovely. Um, if you don't know, shout out to those that know. Um, <laughs> and then I applied for an internship right here at the inn, and uh, somehow I got hired on, and that kind of got me in this world here, uh, serving at University Presbyterian Church and with the inn's college ministries here. And um, after a couple years of wandering in the wilderness, uh, they hired me back on, senior staff, student leadership coordinator. Um, it's pretty crazy. And I'm excited to be here with you guys. And I'm excited to share with you tonight. Um, so if you remember, uh, we've kind of been going through 2 Corinthians. Not kind of. That's exactly what we've been doing. We've been going through 2 Corinthians. And uh, <laughs> tonight I have the opportunity to share with you about uh, stewardship. It's super exciting. Uh, it's awesome. Um, Janie um, and church have done a great job of talking to us about uh, how God loves us and what he's done for us. He's fixed our brokenness, made us usable vessels, um, and, and how God's made us a new creation. Uh, church talked about how uh, I see new people. Um, 
and and this idea that 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 God has come down and entered in our lives and made us new creations. And uh, then last week, a part of being that new creation is this idea of repentance. Um, it's we've been going one way. We've entered. We've been in this life of sin, and repentance is literally turning around and going the other way, going back to God. Um, and that's that's what we've been talking about. And one one part of repentance, um, one another part of kind of entering into this new life that we've been called to uh, is the idea of stewardship. Um, it's about giving what we have. Uh, I think we got a slide. Um, the definition of stewardship. In the, this is the official definition from uh, the Wikipedia. Um, stewardship is an ethic that embodies a responsible planning and management of your resources. Uh, it also goes on to say like those resources could be uh, your planning or your time or your money or theology or things like that. Um, basically, uh, the way I define it, it's how you use what you got, how you use what you've been given. Um, and we see, uh, after Paul has gone through um, the first couple chapters of Corinthians, Second Corinthians, he's been talking about what God has done for us and now how we live in response. We repent and now about being good stewards. Um, and part of the way that Paul kind of starts this conversation of being a good steward, of using the gifts that we've been given, is uh, he tells the, sec- the Corinthians, this church in Corinth, that he helped start. Um, he was the pastor, but he kind of traveled around, so he wrote letters, and that's what we're reading. It's a letter. Um, he starts this part of the letter, this conversation, with a story. He tells them about uh, this other church, uh, this other city in Macedonia, and they don't have very much, um, but they're extremely giving with what they do have. Um, they're very poor, but they give a lot. He tells them this story um, about the Macedonians. And it's, that's basically what it says is, hey, they don't have a lot, but they give a lot. Um, so I figure if Paul can start by telling a story, I can start by telling a story. So I'm going to tell you guys a little story. Um, like I said, I grew up in Toronto. Uh, my parents were great, and I told you they kind of let me uh, figure out some things on my own. Um, me and my best friend growing up, uh, he didn't have like the best of home lives. And so when we were there, when I was at his house, it was really easy to go do whatever we wanted. Um, and a part of that was like sneaking out of the house and uh, hanging out with not the right kind of people. Um, we really got involved uh, very low key. Like when I say low key, understand it's super low key. Um, I kind of got involved in gang life. Not bad. I never, like, killed anybody. Never carried heat. Never carried a weapon. No, it wasn't anything crazy. I'm not, like, up here like I'm BA or anything like that. This is just a thing that happened. Um, <laughs> what we did, man, that came out wrong. Um, what, uh, what it really was is we would walk around. Uh, we wore colors. And we would get in fights, and we knew where not to go, and we knew uh, where we could go, where it was safe to go. That's really the extent of it. Um, but yeah, so don't think anything crazy. I'm not BA, as much like contrary to what I just said. Um, <laughs> and uh, and right as we were starting to like get into it, uh, maybe a little too heavy, when maybe I would have become a little BA. Um, my family up and tells me, "Hey, we're gonna move, uh, not just." Uh, to a different country, but on the other side of the continent. So we were on the East Coast, Toronto, moved to the West Coast, and just completely leaving this life behind uh, that I was kind of starting to get myself into. Um, Long story short, I move, and 
Uh, there's no Facebook at this time. There's no Instagram. There's no Twitter or Snapchat. There's no, um, there's not even MySpace at the time when I moved. Um, yeah, I'm so old. And, um, <laughs> and so because of that, there's no really good way for me to keep in contact with my friends back home. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have anything like that. So it was just like I moved and, if my if our parents talked, like that's how I found out what was going on. So I didn't know a ton of what was going on in my friends' lives back home um, until I went back. Uh, well, go through high school, do all the high school things. Salem has no gang life at this time whatsoever, so <laughs> there's no possibility of that. So that dream was shot down. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, so that's, that's not even a, a thought process of mine anymore. Turns out that's a good thing. Uh, for the, so the first time I go back to Toronto, four years later, um, I finished high school. I'm graduated on my way to Seattle Pacific University. Great. Awesome. Go Falcons. Um, and I go back home, and here's where the story gets kind of crazy. And I see my best friend, and we hang out one night for the first time and um, in four years. And I ask him, like, hey, man, what's going on? Where's the boys? Why is it just me and you? Where's everybody else? Tell me, tell me what's real. And he's like, man, uh, two of them are dead. The other two are in jail. Uh, I was in jail for a little bit and just got out. And he's like, man, you missed out on all this. And this is what he tells me. <laughs> he says, you've been given this awesome gift to not experience what we've had. He says this. He says, you were the best of us. You made it out. Now don't waste it. <laughs> and uh, in that moment, uh, I, I was completely overwhelmed. I had no clue what to do. I was just like, uh, thank you. I, uh, and he just told me, like, this incredible gift I had that I'd never realized that I had been given. And I didn't know what to do with that. I felt completely unworthy of what he had just told me. I felt like I had nothing to give him. I felt like there was nothing I could do that could level the playing field, that could say, no, man, like, I'm not better than you. Um, I just, I felt inadequate of what he had told me. So let's go back um, to Paul in the Corinthians. And... Um, we find that the Corinthians think they don't have anything to give. Kind of like I thought I had nothing to give my friend. Um, but Paul goes on to tell them that they do. You can bring up a text real quick. And this is what Paul tells them. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and the, the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Guys, that's the greatest gift of all. So he's telling them all these gifts. He's listening to all these things. They um, excel uh, in speech and in the love that people have for them and all these things. But then he says, guys, but the best thing of all is Jesus. He was rich. He became poor so that you could become rich. Jesus, he had everything. He gave it all up, became human, and went through hell for you and brought you up out of hell um, so that you could be in right relationship with him. Um, 
You see, Paul wanted the Corinthians to know that despite they thought they had nothing to give, they had everything because Jesus had already given them everything. Okay? God, the creator of the universe, the one who put this all into order, made everything, made the ground we walk on, made the materials and made the clothes that we wear, made the food that we eat, um, created you. He made everything. He's in control of everything, um, wanted to be in relationship with us. We turned our backs on him and said, no, Adam and Eve, the garden, read it. In Bible Challenge, it's the first one. Check it out. Um, hashtag shameless plug. And... Um, and the story that follows is that God wanted to get that relationship back. And so to do that, he had to come down to earth. Jesus, perfectly God, perfectly human, comes down to earth and dies. The only one that deserved not to die. He died for us so that we could be right in relationship with God again. And that's the beauty of the gift that we've been given. God was rich, came poor so that we could be rich. God had right, Jesus had right relationship with God. He came down. Became out of right relationship with God when he died on the cross, resurrected from the cross, so that we could join in with him in that right relationship with God. You tracking? You hear me? Okay. Good. So, let's go back to me and my friend. We're sitting there. He tells me, hey, you've been given this gift. And I'm thinking, uh, I don't deserve this. This is ridiculous. And in that moment, all I'm thinking is of all the crap I've done. Yeah, sure, I moved. And yeah, maybe I didn't go through hell like you did or like our boys did. But I went through my own hell. I mean, I uh, messed up sexually. I messed up uh, with abusing alcohol and drugs and went through mild depression, felt lonely, things like that. I went through my own hell. I, I mean, it's not like I have anything to give you now in this moment. It's not like I, I, I felt completely unworthy. And this conversation haunted me. Kid you not, haunted me and I felt... Straight guilt and shame, uh, really, up until about a week ago, <laughs> as I was preparing for this talk. And um, what I realized was in that moment, why I was being haunted was I was being a poor steward of what I had. I wasn't using the gifts that I'd, been re- that I'd received well. Um, see, yeah, even though I was, I was unworthy, even though... Uh, all that stuff that I had just mentioned was a factor. Uh, I'd also come to know Jesus in a real personal way in the last four years. And I didn't go through that hell on my own. And what I had to share with my friend that I didn't in that moment was that he didn't have to go through that hell on his own either. That he wasn't alone. That Jesus went through hell for him too. And Jesus came up out of hell for him too. And that he is being redeemed by Christ as well. Just as I was. I had that gift to share and I didn't. I was being a poor steward because I felt unworthy to share it. And this is exactly what Paul is speaking into with the Corinthians. They don't think they have enough to give. They think that they're giving too much or that they're too weak to give any more than they're giving. And Paul says, no. Do you understand that you have been given so ridiculously much in Christ And that everything that you already have is his. And when you come to believe in him and know what he has given you and the redemption of of, of Jesus on that cross, then everything you have to give is God's already. And you can give whatever it may be, whether it's money, whether it's your story, or whether it's simply telling somebody that they're not alone going through the hell they're going through, that Jesus is right there with them. And guys, that's the gospel. You always have that to give. Okay? 
So, went from Corinthians to my story, Corinthians, sense of pattern, back to my story. Last week, I'm writing this, feeling kind of guilty, like, man, I wasn't being a good steward. I'm like, what do I do? Change that. Hit my pops up. Hey, pops, uh, can you get my friend's mom's number to me or email, whatever? I need to find a way to get in contact with him. He's like, yeah, I'll see that. I've been in contact with her a little bit. Get her email. Email her up. I'm like, hey, uh, this is kind of random. I know we haven't talked in like eight years, but uh, <laughs> I've been, your son has just been on my heart. And over the last week as I've been preparing for uh, sharing with this college machine I'm working with, and uh, I just need, I need a way to get in contact with him. Uh, whatever you can give me. I need to get in contact with him. There's things I got to share with him. He needs to know the impact he's had on my life, and uh, I need to share some things with him. Uh, she emails me back, and uh, she says, oh, my goodness, Christopher. Uh, when I was younger, my dad called me Christopher. He said, I named you Christopher, and so uh, <laughs> I'm going to call you that. So everybody who's like, everybody who, every one of my friend's parents called me Christopher because that's what my dad called him. Uh, so if you want me to feel at home, call me Christopher. Um, and uh, she says, Christopher, I'm so glad you emailed me. Uh, my son is, is doing this. He's, he's, he just got a job. Um, he's trying to figure out his faith right now. He, he's, but he's lost. He's lost. He doesn't know. But I, I want you to be in his life. This is so great. This is such great news that you've reached out to me. Uh, I want to pay for you to come out to uh, Toronto, to, and I'll pay for your flight, and I'll pay for your uh, lodging, and I want you to be here because I think it's good for you to be um, to spend some time with, with my son. I think that'll be awesome. Uh, and I was completely blown away. That's the last thing I expected. She is a single mother and uh, doesn't have a ton of income. She's taking care of her three adult children now who have kids of their own, and, uh, and she's just laboring for them. And she has it in her mind to pay for me to come out and see her son uh, to kind of right a wrong that I felt guilty for. <laughs> and... Um, and guys, she is doing exactly what I'm speaking about right now. She's giving out of what she has. She has love for me, love for her son. She has enough financial means to get me there. Whatever it takes, she'll do it to get make that happen because she's experienced the gift that Christ has given her, and she knows that she has the means to, to share that gift, right? And so whatever it takes, she says, oh, I'm going to raise the money to get you there because the gifts that we have are so much more than we think we have. The Corinthians were in this place where they weren't giving enough, and the primary thing that they weren't giving was money. Uh, so we'll talk about money for a little bit. It's a little awkward. Talk about giving, talk about money. Uh, but I just told you a crazy story about a lady who doesn't have very much. She wants to give money. So, boom, we're going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> just as I was guilty of being a poor steward with sharing the gospel, I've been guilty of being a with my money. And I'm sure that each one of us out here, I would bet the most of us have been pretty guilty of it too. It's a lot easy. It's really easy to think we don't have a lot to give. Um, but I'm going to share some stats with you real quick. Um, just time out. Bear with me. Stats can be boring. I think this will be fun. All right. Look, if you make 20 grand a year, $20,000 a year, that's not that much in the whole scheme of things. Uh, that's like an entry-level job, maybe. Uh, you make 20 grand a year, you're in the top 4% richest people in the world. In the entire world, 10,000 a year, 17%. You are uh, in the top 17% richest people in the world. Five grand a year, 24% richest people in the world. 
If you make just $2,500 a year, you're in the top 35% richest people in the world. $2,500 a year is $52 a week and $1.30 an hour. You make $1.30 an hour, you're in the top 35 percentile of the world's wealth. And you're making more money than 5 billion people in the world. If those numbers don't get you, think about this. Like I said, you make $1.30 an hour. You can put that down if you want. You make $1.30 an hour. Um, you're making, uh, a man in Zimbabwe is making 50 cents an hour. And so, let's see, $1.30, if we gave up, like, one drink from Starbucks a day or, like, a week, uh, that's, like, what? I know some of the drinks you guys get. That could be, like, six, eight dollars. <laughs> Maybe even more than that. I don't know. I don't drink coffee. I don't know. It could be, like, ten dollars. I don't know all these prices, but I know it's expensive. I've seen the little ads. <laughs> you go get your red cups. I'm going to go do it, too. Um, but if you give that up <laughs> and you give that away, you're able to, you'd be able to help out, give a pay of wages, uh, um, like you'd be able to pay 12 men's wages uh, in Zimbabwe just by giving up one cup of coffee. Think about that. Guys, we have so much more to give than we realize. So much more, whether it's... Uh, whether it's our time, our energy, uh, our talents, when we're singing, um, whether we're playing sports, whatever it may be, whether it's our money. Guys, you have a lot to give. Speaking of money, how, do you, how many of you know we have a, a giving box in the back? See? Not that many. There you go. Giving box in the back. Help uh, keep the end going. This is a ministry you guys come to and love and support. That's an easy way to give. We have opportunities all across the wall of ways you can give your time and give uh, the DR. That's an amazing way to give. Um, this place is filled. That's just this room with opportunities to give. And I bet each one of you has a laptop, which has the Internet and endless Resources to look up different ways you can give. How crazy is that? Guys, we have so much more to give than we realize. Um, part of my hashtag plugs again about the end. That's great. Shameless plugs. I'm all about it. But guys, just know the opportunities that you have. Now I'm going to let you know a little secret. It's not a secret. It's thousands of years old, and Paul shared it a long time before I did. <laughs> The more we give, the more we experience the grace that God's given us. Bring up the text real quick. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, under compulsion. Uh, For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that all things at all times, having all, uh, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered abroad their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food also will supply and increase your store uh, of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have provided yourselves, people will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given to you, thanks be to God for his in describable gift. You see, God didn't only uh, give us the world that he created and everything in it, um, and not only did we turn our backs on him, but he gave us a way back to him. He gave us a way to be back in right relationship with this world. Uh, Like I said before, Jesus gave up everything. He went through hell for us, conquered death, rose again, so we could know God and we could be with him. This grace can be hard to grasp at times. It can be hard to understand. It can be hard to feel like, why would Jesus do this for me? Uh, But he did it because he loves you. It's exactly what we've been talking about at the end this, this, this year. He loves you. He wants to make you new. He wants to restore your brokenness. And all we gotta do is believe that he'll do it. And one way that we can help ourselves believe is to start giving ourselves away. Because as we just read, when we give ourselves away, we understand this grace more. Because we're living into what Jesus did. And we'll become more like him and we'll know who he is more. I have one last story for us. Um, so after my, uh, I talked with my friend, um, and he, uh, for the first time, and he said, uh, he kind of called me. I was like, hey, you got this awesome gift. Don't waste it. Uh, a lot of my life was lived trying not to waste it. <laughs> and uh, one of the ways I did that was uh, I've had the opportunity to travel around a lot. I've had the opportunity to kind of give my life away in, in various ways. And um, by give my life away, I just mean uh, submit myself to God um, and see what he does with that. <laughs> and um, I got the opportunity to go to Haiti uh, right after the earthquake hit in 2011. And um, I got to go over Christmas break. And while we were there, part of what we were doing was handing out gifts for Operation Christmas Child. Again, hashtag shameless plug. We're doing that this year at the end. Check that out. Um, Just a coincidence. I didn't plan that one. It's just cool. Um, We got to do Operation Christmas Child. And we're giving away gifts to thousands and thousands and thousands of kids who have absolutely nothing, who had, like, practically nothing before the earthquake hit, and then the earthquake hit and took everything that they had uh, what little it was. And, and we're handing out these gifts, and the smiles and the joy that comes from that is just incredible. And I'm feeling overflow with the spirit, like I'm giving my life away. This is great. This is awesome. And I'm seeing people uh, experience uh, gifts and enjoy that they hadn't seen in a long time. And then this little kid comes up to me. He's got to be like, oh, he wasn't super little. He had to be like 12, 13 years old, maybe the same age as I was in that goofy picture. And um, he comes up to me and he says, hey, <laughs> how old are you? And I said, 21. I said, great. You must be married. Are you married? And he said, no. <laughs> I'm not. And he said, oh, no, no, no. That is no good. That is not good. I will pray for you. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. Thanks. I need it. Um, what really struck me by that story, as funny as it is, it's a funny story. Um, 
What really struck me by his story was this kid who had absolutely nothing to start with and then had it all taken away, whatever little he did have, um, came up to me in a time where we were supposed to be giving to them. And he came up to me and he asked me, he found out about who I was, and he found out a need in a place where I was lacking, and he gave me what he had, what little he had. He had prayer and he had hope. He gave that to me. Don't ever tell me you don't have anything to give. We got so much. We got the love of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that love, gosh, I ask you to come talk to one of us that work here, one of your friends that knows Jesus, because I don't want you to be alone going through a world without Christ, because that's hard. It's hard even when you know him, but you're not alone. And there's hope. That's the greatest gift of all. That's the gospel. We all have a gift to give. And Paul ends by saying, it's an indescribable gift. Thanks be to God. Know you have that gift. How are you going to use it? I'm going to pray. Father God, um, we just thank you uh, that you are the one that makes us worthy. You are the one that gives us every good gift to give. And God, we thank you that um, you have invited us to step into your story and and to give uh, our lives to those around us, God. And as we do so, we thank you that uh, we come to know you and your grace more. And as we come to know your grace more, uh, we are led to give more. God, it's cyclical, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the indescribable gift of your son, Jesus, and the way that you work in our lives, God. And we uh, just lift this night and the rest of this year up to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.